Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content. And we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She's been a member of the Halton Hurricanes, where she's won multiple medals at provincials and nationals. She's won the Evelyn Hollock Award with the Ontario Volleyball Association, which is a very prestigious award here in Ontario. She's represented Canada with our junior national team twice, and she's currently in Indiana playing for the Indiana Hoosiers in the Big Ten. Please welcome to the show, Haley Armstrong. Haley, thanks for doing this. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So Haley, some of our listeners might be familiar with your career and kind of followed it a little bit. I was hoping you could fill the rest of us in. And what I mean by that is right from the start, uh, growing up in that Milton area, just west of the GTA, you must have had a ton of options to play club volleyball. And I'm curious how you got started because you're, you're close enough to come to Toronto. You could go to Mississauga, you could go to Burlington. And it seems like there's just a million competitive clubs in that area. I'm wondering how you ended up at Halton. Right. Well, so I, growing up, loved a bunch of different sports i ended up trying out for a volleyball team at my elementary school milton and yeah it was even in the first few practices or tryouts my coach was like hey you need to go try out for something like more than this more than just elementary school so I was like sure so i signed up to do the hurricanes academy which wasn't essentially a cl- the club itself it was more just a training program for younger girls. Um, and so I went there, had a really great time. One of the coaches there who ended up being my coach uh, at younger ages at club, Adam Petrie, he was like, come play for me. So I was like, okay, sure. So I ended up playing for him um, for Halton Hurricanes and I just stayed with them ever since. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would have heard of Halton and just everything they've accomplished in the last few years. Was there anyone ahead of you that you kind of saw as a role model or, or anyone even within your own club team that really showed you that post-secondary could be an option? Because it seems like Halton's just pumping out players every year. Yeah, I, I love Hurricanes for the fact that they take one volleyball super seriously. And if girls have aspirations to go play, whether it's in Canada or the U.S., they're like, we're, we're going to help you get there. And so... I think growing up, there was definitely a lot of players older who I looked up to, and I was like, if they can do it, so can I. Uh, Laura McGill is one for sure. She ended up just finishing her career, I believe, at San Diego. Um, She was a year ahead of me, um, and she's an amazing setter. But also within my own team, there was a lot of us who, all of us had goals to go post-secondary, and I think being around people like that, from like 13, 14 years old until we were graduating, it was the coolest experience ever because while like we were best friends playing on the court, we also knew that we had goals to go further. And I think that's honestly what made us super successful throughout our years is pushing each other to, to reach our goals. And how young would you say you were before you started contacting coaches? Like uh, with a club like Halton, you guys probably go to the U.S. a few times. Like were coaches approaching you or did you feel like you had to kind of lead that? Because I think it's safe to say that the U.S. maybe starts recruiting a little sooner than Canada. So I'm curious, what's kind of your entry point into starting that process? Yeah, I think I think I actually had to put like a limit on when coaches can start um, recruiting girls in the States because it was at a young age. Um, I started, I believe, when I was around, so I knew I wanted to go play, um, in the States when I was like 14 years old. And so 
when I turned 15 and I was in 15 year, that's when I kind of was starting to look at different schools. I ended up getting a, like a recruiting coach. Um, and they walked me through the process of emailing coaches, writing good letters, um, how to, you know, talk to coaches on the phone. The way everything turned out was I didn't actually reach out to a coach. My coach actually reached out to me when he watched me play. But there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of coaches reaching out to me. Hey, we saw you play. We're interested. And there was a lot of me sending emails. Hey, I love your school. Is there any way you can come see me play? And it was a lot of that for like a few years before I decided to commit. And when you started getting offers, how did you narrow it down? Because there's a lot to consider, whether a big school, small school, close to home, far away, like driving distance, can you get on a flight, like uh, maybe even playing time or position openings or who's ahead of you? Like there's a lot to consider when you think about universities. So how did you start to narrow it down when the time came? For sure. I think so. My mom was like my rock through this whole thing, because when I was young, obviously, I was just thinking about volleyball. Oh, I want to go to the number one school. I want to do this. My mom's like, get your education, find a place where dad and I can come watch you play and we're not, you know, going on these super expensive trips. Go somewhere where you actually feel like it's home. And I didn't really understand it. I was like, whatever, I just want to play the best volleyball. Um, And it really hit me when we were going out to look at a few schools in California. And don't get me wrong, like California is beautiful and great weather and all this. But I was like, my parents will probably be able to come see me maybe once or twice in a season because of flights and, and hotels and staying. And it felt so far away from home. Um, and so that's when it really hit me. That was like, Oh, I need to like look at everything. Um, and when I, so I actually ended up verbally committing to Maryland um, with Steve Aird, who's actually my coach here now, but I was sold on Maryland, not just for the, the conference big 10, but you know, the academics were great. The campus felt like home. And it was the exact same when I ended up coming to Indiana. I actually got super lucky with Indiana. I'm a business major and the Kelly School of Business is one of the best public school businesses across the country. And so those were all huge factors, not just volleyball, um, into why I decided to commit, um, actually commit here. Nice. And as you're getting older and you're pursuing post-secondary and you're doing well with your club, uh, another cool thing that happened with Volleyball Canada is the junior national team returned on the women's side. So how did you hear about that? For your era, was the junior national team selected from provincial teams playing at National Team Challenge Cup or was it its own thing? Like, how did you get a chance to play for Canada at such a young age? Yeah, this one's hard to remember. There was two. So I was on the youth and that was basically a closed kind of tryout so they 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 went watched you play at nationals and then they invited you to a tryout and there was lots of girls there and then from that tryout they picked you my junior year I think they just watched me play I think kind of I was in the system already and they they already played with them and then they they watched me kind of play throughout my club season and from there it was just like a you're either kind of on the team or you're not Nice. And what was that experience like? Because uh, it's one thing to take your club team down to play the U.S., but when you kind of represent Team Ontario or Team Canada at U.S. High Performance, it's kind of like our all-star team against your all-star team, right? So was that kind of a new level for you to compete with uh, those athletes and against some already ready-made like regional or all-star teams? Yeah, I I mean, that was a really fun experience. Um, I actually ended up playing against some of my teammates uh, with now. So that was like, super cool like I didn't know at the time I knew some of them were coming to Indiana but others like actually got picked up at that tournament and so 
playing against them was super cool, but just getting the exposure to how good volleyball is in the U.S., it's definitely getting better in Canada, and it's because we're going to those tournaments, because we're getting exposure to high-level performers, um, and it just makes me super hopeful for um, Team Canada and Volleyball Canada in the future. Were you already committed to Maryland when you played at that tournament, or were you kind of also a, a little bit distracted by how many coaches and universities are attending these events? Yeah, by that time, I was actually already committed to Indiana. So I believe I committed to Maryland between my grade 10 and 11 summer. was there for six months, there for six months. <laughs> and um, my coach ended up making the switch to IU that winter. And so I went with him that winter. That falling summer is when I ended up playing with the junior national team. So I was already ready to go to IU. Um, it's cool. It was cool to see all the coaches there, um, especially like if there was Big Ten coaches there, like, oh, hey, like I'm going to play against you in, you know, a year, which is cool. Um, some of my teammates actually at the time didn't know where they were going to go. Uh, and one of my best friends and roommate now, I actually sat her down at that tournament and was like, dude, you need to come to Indiana. We could like, she's a setter and we were just, we hit it off so well. I don't know if I'm the reason she came, but I think that <laughs> that talk helped. For sure. No, that's great. Uh, just for me and the listeners to confirm, when your coach switched roles, that opens the transfer portal, so you can transfer like no questions asked. Like you don't have to sit out a year or do anything like that, right? I don't believe so. And what was it about uh, a coach Aaron that kind of made you want to stick with him when he switched from Maryland to Indiana? Because I think our listeners the, that name would spark some ears. Where he's actually Canadian, right? So did that come up in the recruiting, or or did he ever come to Halton and know some of your coaches? Like how did that relationship really start and build? Yeah, um, he, so the way we met was actually, it's one of those moments where you kind of like think everything happens for a reason. So I was talking to a different school for a very long time. And that day they called me, told me where they stood with me, not disappointed, but not super ecstatic. And I was just in a really tough situation where it was like, you either take this or you don't. Um, and that night, actually at Hurricanes, there was they were doing like a coaching clinic. My coach now, Steve Aird, ended up being the coach there running the volleyball clinic and ended up sitting beside Adam Petrie, my club coach at the time, um, at a bar and was like, hey, is Haley going to be there? And I was like, he was like, yeah, I can get her there. And he uh, he coached the clinic. Um, and then afterwards, we kind of, you know, at the time there was lots of rules, so we had to like go by the rules. But he got in touch with touch with me as soon as possible. He's like, "Hey, like you're gonna play in the Big Ten. This is gonna be awesome." And I think what really sold me with him was his vision. He has a phenomenal career. He was at Penn State, ended up rebuilding a, a, a program and a culture. And I'm a big culture girl at Maryland, uh, and so I just bought into his vision, and and it's been one of the coolest rides. And one cool thing that happened before you kind of graduated the club system is winning the Evelyn Hollick Award. And I think at first level, people might look and be like, oh, that's like an all-star award. But when you read the criteria and you look at the names who have won it, like you have to do a lot and you have to just be mm -hmm. generally a good person. But uh, I mean, we're talking like Sarah Pavin has won that award. Uh, I'm just going on the list. I don't want to skip anybody, but like Brett Haggerty, Shine has won it. Lawrence Anderson, mm -hmm. Michelle Shaladurai, like you're in there. Maddie Lethbridge, uh, Kat Giordatis, like there, there's some pretty impressive names there. So when you were announced at Ontario Championships to win that award, like how did that feel being included in that company, but also 
being recognized for all the other things that you're doing, like on court and off court? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, it's an honor to win that award. I take that very seriously. Um, it's hard trying to explain it to people here just how much it, how much it means to me. Like it, I have to actually sit them down too and read them through the criteria. But like I said, I'm a huge culture girl. I want as many females in the sport as possible because I want Team Canada, Volleyball Canada, women's volleyball to end up in the Olympics one day. And not even just like end up in the Olympics. Like I want us to make a name for ourselves and it starts with girls getting involved. And so like any impact I can make on the younger generations, like that is huge. And OVA, you know, like I didn't know that was happening. This was me just doing my everyday stuff, working with on hurricanes that my teammates who, like I said, we were just pushing each other all the time and we had a great culture. And so it was a really surreal moment to win that. And it honestly just gave me the confidence to continue going and, and build a culture here at Indiana. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the culture thing because I'm trying to remember if, if I have the year right, but I think in your 18 year nationals, did your setter not go down and you guys still had to compete basically without a setter? Was that your year or was that maybe uh, Biamba's true 18 year year? I'm trying to think. I think so. What ended up happening was our 16 year team was awesome. It was uh, Danielle Gravina, Biamba, me, Aliyah, like a uh, solid team. They ended up having Biamba go up because Laura Medill was coming down. She was the setter I think you were talking about. And so I think they wanted Laura to have a strong outside hitter. And so, yeah, I think that's what happened. And when switches like that happen or injuries like that happen, like I think that's super impressive, whether it's like an injury or a roster move or somebody plays up or plays down. Like how do you think either Halton responds to that or the athletes around it respond to, or, or respond to that? Because I think it, it happens a lot, but I, as you guys have mentioned, like you're all high performers, you want to play post-secondary. Like how do you guys kind of sort that out within the team group and not relying on coach all the time? Yeah, that see, that's hard. Um, I think when you have, it's like a mixture of things. I think when you have a strong core group of girls that have the same vision and goal, it makes it super easy. Um, our goal was always to win provincials, always to win nationals. There was never like a doubt in our mind about that. Um, and so as a result, we weren't afraid to be like, hey, like, let's stay an extra five, 10 minutes or come early this day or whatever it needs to be. Um, that change, it, it allowed me to see just how much culture matters because I grew up with the same girls my whole way through up until that point and so when there was all these switches it was it for me it was overwhelming I didn't know how to really control that um but meeting new girls from different clubs that had no idea what it meant to kind of be a hurricane and what it meant to really outwork anyone it was cool to to be able to help them with that and lead in that way and so although that year was tough in the sense that we lost B and I think Aaliyah went up as well we brought in new girls who like learned how to just eat up as much as possible, whether it was film or volley or workouts, which was cool. And with you, with everything you've accomplished at the youth level, when you got to Indiana, did you put any expectations on yourself? Like uh, just for our listeners to kind of understand one, you didn't get redshirted right away. Like you're contributing, but uh, I looked it up before the show, you're 11th in digs and third as a freshman in the big 10, which is probably as competitive as a division as there is in the NCAA. So did you come in with any expectations that you want to start? You want to accomplish this? You want to do all these things? Or were you just there to kind of put your head down and do work every day and see what happens? I'm, yeah, I'm really did not expect um, to be in the jersey right away. I think I'm a very big croissant, like you got to earn it. Uh, you got to work hard. But 
also I'm competitive. I'm, I'm, I'm strong and I will, you know, obviously fight for positions. Big 10 volleyball is unreal. Like it is coach says this all the time. It's, it's the pro league you want to be in. It's, it's insane. Um, and you have to be in it to really see it. Um, every team is good. There is not a bad team. And so you look at the wins and losses and it literally is like, if put us in any other conference and like, we can do some damage, but yeah, you know, I think I didn't exactly expect anything. I think I just came in and was like trying to eat up as much as possible, as much as possible on the players, on the conference, on how much my body needs, because it's a, a totally different ball game. Lots of learning, but I, I got to play and it was super exciting and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Well, there already, uh, uh, just first impressions of the Big Ten because uh, I think I read before the show today you guys are top fifteen in attendance so there's like a couple thousand watching you guys play but like you said when you go on a road game and you're playing in the Big Ten you're going to Penn State or Michigan State or Michigan or Minnesota and they all have packed fans too right so w- was that maybe a, a big distraction to try to get over where you're coming from club and yeah parents and friends and family come but there's not a couple thousand people either cheering for you or against you there and I, I forgot Nebraska they have like a great attendance too like there's just school after school there's going to be a packed house right. Yeah, I remember my very first game freshman year. We were at Minnesota on opening night and casually 9,000 people there. And I, I, everyone was telling me, like, just wait, just wait. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? And you step on the court and people are eating popcorn and, you know, drinking their sodas and people are just strictly there for entertainment. It's not, it's not even just family, friends, like school support. It's, it's a whole entertainment business. And I, I was like, okay, now I get it. And, you know, there's a very big difference between home and away games in the big 10. You have a home game that you are, you're good to go. You have people all around you, 3000, 4,000 people, cheering for you not cheering for the other team it makes a huge huge difference and vice versa you go to a Penn State you go to a Nebraska and suddenly you have 15,000 people where you guys do something awesome you know we pass great we're in tempo um no one's cheering it's dead it, we miss a serve the crap goes wild you know and so you really have to mentally focus on that's just a, a distraction and you kind of have to keep your uh, your head down and, and focus on the game I'm glad your coach compared it to a, a program. I'm wondering how, or excuse me, a, a pro team, because even the travel, I imagine you guys are flying to a lot of games. Like you're trying to manage your school schedule. Like how did you adjust to that as a first year, knowing that like you're going to have to get on a flight and go to Minnesota and play this game, or you're going to have to miss class or like, uh, I imagine your professors, some of them might be sympathetic, but other ones know that you're a student and you're at a very academic school and you got to get your work done. Right. So what was it like adjusting to that phase of being a varsity athlete at a university in the big 10? I, was a mess. I'm still a mess, but I've learned to control that mess. <laughs> um, I think, no, freshman year, um, we have so many resources here to help us. And so I really took advantage of everything I could, um, whether it was tutors, any academic support, any, um, our athletic trainers are amazing. So anytime I had like a little, like a little scare that something was wrong with me, I was just in um, to see my like trainer and she helped me get treatment. And so while it was super hard to time manage and, you know, take courses for the very first time, play in front of fans, get used to an extremely demanding schedule. Um, the resources here are absolutely phenomenal and they make it 10 times easier. 
Um, and it's it's nice like that I'm older now too because I see the freshmen now who actually Maddie Sarah's um she's she's from Burlington. Um I like get to help them through that process, which is super nice because like I, I, I see myself in them when I was a freshman and it's cool to see how easy the process is getting for them after going through such like a hectic season as well. Yeah, just for me and the listeners, if you don't mind, just service level, when do you typically arrive on campus? Uh, you guys are a fall sport, so you start right away. And then there's a spring season as well for women's volleyball, right? So like, what does a year look like, uh, kind of like first glance for you right now? Right. So we end up coming back. We end up going home in May. So that's kind of like when we're allowed to go see family and we're mm-hmm. home for the month of May. Most of us end up coming back in June and that's just to start summer workouts. A lot of us take summer courses to kind of get ahead. Um, Maddie and I actually have to take six credits. So that's like two courses throughout the summer just to be eligible. So we have to be kind of doing stuff regardless. So we're both kind of here working out, playing volleyball. We get like a week off in August to go home see family before preseason. And then preseason is when our two weeks of two-a-day workout really begins. So that is no school. You are just in the gym basically from nine to five or six or whatever it is. Um, we're basically training for season. Um, we end up playing till November, depends on the tournament that could run into December. Go home for Christmas and then we kind of run it back minus being in the off season now until May. And like I said, so we're in the off season right now and that's just a lot of heavy workouts and conditioning. Volleyball kind of makes its way in. Right now we're just doing open gyms. Um, then we'll start individuals and end up doing team practices. Uh, and yeah, I'm actually really excited because this year we're actually in May going to Europe. So we're doing the European tour, which would be super awesome. Um, most of my teammates here haven't left the country. So I'm super excited to go to Europe with them and uh, just play volley. So that'd be cool. Yeah, that's great. And and obviously the athletes do the most work and obviously it's driven by a lot of academics and everything. But uh, again, in reading about what the Hoosiers have going on there, I understand you guys got like a new facility not too long back. Like what does the school do to really provide like the service and support you talked about? Like obviously there's staff in there, but like how easy is it to go to like a first class weight room and get your work done? Like they, they obviously try to do their part. You're the one grinding every single day, it sounds like, but it sounds like a, a varsity program like this. They go out of their way to kind of support you and understand that you're putting a lot in, right? Oh, for sure. I have access to the weight room, to Wilkinson Hall, where we play, um, the South End Zone, which holds our nutritionists, our athletic trainers, and our food where we eat, uh, training tables like 24-7. Like, I actually went in last night to Wilkinson Hall and just bounced the ball around for like an hour, and it was awesome. And every like, I understand now, at first I was like, oh, this is so hard, but like, taking myself out of it and looking at a different perspective, I'm not going to be able to just do that stuff when I leave here. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to just go in the weight room and run for 20 minutes or, you know, use their facilities, um, work with my uh, trainer for like an hour. And so IU does a phenomenal job at making sure we're taking care of in all aspects of a student athlete. One thing I forgot to mention actually is they have this excellence program And so basically student athletes that want to be involved in leadership programs or 
we, we have like what's called Hoosier Heroes, which basically I get to take a mentee, a freshman, and mentor them throughout their college career. And it, it's such a brilliant way to like involve us as student athletes and make new friends here that we see around all the time. Um, and so I think the Excellence Program is another ph- phenomenal part that's missed out on. Yeah, that's, yeah it, it's amazing here. It's so amazing. So diving into the volleyball side of the Big Ten, what's the prep that goes into it for being a DS or a Lib? Because we've had setters, we've had outsides, and they kind of talk about their prep and how sometimes it depends on who's across the net. And I'm wondering, with your system, is it really getting practice right and making sure the blockers know their responsibility and you know your responsibility? Or is there little things that pop up in a game about where you're going to start your positioning or how you're going to like shadow this player? Like, What's the level of prep that goes into that maybe changes every game when you're playing against, I don't know, a Penn State outside versus a Minnesota outside yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it's a it's a mixture of everything. We scout obviously other teams heavily, and depending on what our strengths are, we will try to match up with them. Um, so, you know, for example, a right side on another team in this specific rotation doesn't like to go line. Let's just say we will take our right side just for that rotation, move them to the left so they can take away their cross shot. And so it's like very very pinpointed which like you wouldn't think like oh let's just play volleyball now it's like (laughs) super specific in terms of like for us yes and liberos we'll talk about you know servicey patterns a lot we'll talk about where we want to serve play defense a big part of it especially like middle back do we want to take you know one step to the left and you know have our block take cross or do we want to do the opposite it really comes down to the other team and their personnel and with the serve and pass game, are you finding that a lot of people want to go strength on strength and they'll hit their best serve, whether it's the libero standing in six or if it's the the P1 in that rotation? Or do they try to avoid or overload certain people? Like, are some people just cracking their best serve every single time? Or is there a little bit of cat and mouse going on about who's across the net? Yeah, there is, like, especially with serving, there's different players who have different talents. And so their servers are more strategy. So they're actually trying to serve someone. They're trying to serve the seam. Our coaches know, hey, and like like I said, in this rotation, she's passing a blank um, and not able to get out as fast. So let's target her in this rotation. But the next rotation could be something completely different. Other girls um, just completely rip the ball. Like, hey, you got a good serve. You got a it's really great flow, flat, or you got a top spin. Just go crank it and see what you can do with it. So it's it's really like a mixture of both. And how have you found the role of being a DS in Lib? Because I think the NCAA sub rules, there's obviously a role for DSs and you can be like a three rotation player and really contribute. But at the end of the day, I see, I think some players would want to be the Lib and they want to get the special shirt and they want to be like on the court a little bit more permanently. So how do you find that you guys can be in the room and you can prep together and you can compete, but you can also like support somebody else when they get their number called to be the Lib that game or whatever the situation is? Yeah, I think... You know, it like I said, it takes a really good teammate, team member to support one another. I personally enjoy playing both positions. I love playing libero. I love actually playing DS this year in a sense that I got to move around the court a lot. I got to play middle back. I got to play right back. Um, Paul and I, Paul is the other libero. Her and I were both trained in the position where if something happens like we could switch easily I could end up playing left back she could play right like and it also being those rotations where I was off I could see the game more clearly so being 
coming it back in, I'm like, okay, I know what this is about to do or what she's about to do, what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a good balance of support and just do what you can with what you got and make the most of it. Yeah, that's so interesting to hear because I think sometimes casual fans would be like, oh, you're a libero, you stand in five and you have since 16U and you serve yeah. a C from here. Like, what was it like being challenged to play different positions? Because when you get into the nitty gritty, playing six back is way different than playing right back, especially at a high level and the responsibilities. Like, how do you go into prepping for multiple situations and knowing that it might switch partway through the game where Coach Steve is just going to be like, Haley, you're in for the six now. Like, how do you kind of adjust to make sure you're prepared? It happened all the time. It literally <laughs> happened all the time. I think, personally, one thing that helped me was playing beach. So I grew up playing loads of beach, had a really great career um, with my my teammate, Aaliyah. And so when he is like, Kaylee, you're going to go play right back this rotation, stick back here, you're going to take a step this way, it almost feels natural. Because at that point, I'm just like, do what he says, just play the ball, or go run down the ball. Like, do whatever you can, just get it up, listen to him, but also just, just play. And I think a lot of times when like the higher you get in volleyball, the more you think, Oh, my tech, my technique needs to be so perfect. Um, my foot needs to be exactly where he says, just do what he says and go as hard as you can and good things will come. And so I think it made my ability to switch back and forth a little easier. Yeah, that's great. And with the popularity of beach in the NCAA, was that ever going to be considered for you? Or did you know that you wanted to go indoor the whole way? When I was really young, it was always indoor, and then I started playing beach, and I think I fell in love with the fact that I was able to, like, do every position playing beach. You have to pass, you have to dig, serve, hit, set, like, everything, and so I actually ended up looking at a few beach schools at West um, just to see if I if I really wanted to. I, I really wanted to actually play both, find a school that would let me play indoor and beach, didn't end up doing that for a few reasons. I think I want to push indoor as much as possible, get to where I want is right now. And beach is something always still in the back of my mind. Like, hey, I can always end up playing beach after indoor. And so right now, I think I really wanted to specialize in indoor and down the road, hopefully get into beach. Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad you brought up the, just your attitude that you're you're just a volleyball player and you're going to go out and you're going to play and you're going to compete. But through doing this show, I think there's some funny things happening in our sport where uh, we had Justine, the U.S. libero on, and she was great. But she mentioned uh, mm-hmm. one of her coaches with the national team doesn't allow midline passing. So as a learner, she had to kind of adopt a new <laughs> style and change things. So with you being a high-level youth player and going to the NCAA, was there anything that kind of challenged your mindset about like, we do things a certain way here and we're, we're only going to pass on our left or we're only going to call seams right or is there anything you had to adjust to or does your coach, because he's a high level coach, does he allow midline passing or are they looking for the angle that like coach Karch and some other people at USA volleyball are doing? Like what were some things that maybe tweaked your game that you had to get used to? Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a few ones that kind of shocked me. I, um, we have kind of like rules in our gym, so it'll be like, you know, always as much as you can pass with two hands or dig a ball with two hands. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for someone to just run and try to scoop it with one. If you can sprint as hard as you can to get that ball with two, you have more control. And I, I didn't really grasp that until I started running 10 times faster here and ended up being able to get it. Um, I've changed my serve a few times here. It's, it's very like strategic with serving before I would kind of just, you know, hit a zone, but now it's very like, this is your routine every single time. 
Uh, passing, my coach is pretty lenient with it. We do work on angles a lot. We try to stay out of our midline and basically anything short, you need to have two feet and balanced, you know, no lunging, um, which for me, I was, yeah, I was just taking a step, especially with beach. I was taking a step and just popping it up. But no, two feet on everything as balanced as possible. And you honestly just get good by doing as many reps as possible. Like you can't even fit in the reps you need to, to fix those skills in practice. Those are things you need to come in on individually and just go over and over and over um, for like an hour. Like I luckily have teammates who will do that with me and, and it's awesome. But it, skills like that and coaches really helped me see this is it's really up to you because in practice it's team practice. We got to, we got to go, we got to do our systems. We got to play as much as possible. 5v5, 66, um, individual stuff really comes on your own. And within the the tactics your team likes to do, thankfully to some streaming services, I was able to watch a lot of NCAA this year. And I'm just so impressed about the level of touch on the libs and the DSs. And what I mean by that is like digs are super hard to get, but it seems like they're digging to a certain zone. Setters are being super demanding. They want to run tempo. Like with the setters on your squad, do you guys talk about a spot you need to get the ball to get to, like how to keep the middle in rhythm? Like, like I said, digs are super hard to get, but they're being like that extra level of like, no, Haley, that's not good enough. You have to push the ball here. Like, do you guys have a certain spot and an understanding where the ball needs to go to, even though guys are just like, or excuse me, uh, women are just rifling balls at you? Yeah. Um, we, Especially for our little people, we call each other little people, like our <laughs> DSs and Um, Especially down balls, free balls. It is expected they are perfect. It is expected they're on your setter's hands. And digs, we say 10-20. So we want high and off. If you can picture like a box, kind of like from the 10-foot line to where the setter is, anything high and in there, good job. You know, obviously coach understands. He, he, he played himself and he was a, a defender himself. So he understands that just to get a good touch on the ball is awesome. And to get it up somewhere in the court, we can play with it. But the conference is so demanding in itself that you, you need those. Like if you can stick a down ball, if you can stick a, a mediocre um, hit from them, you need to do it because we need to get our hitters in tempo so they can get around the block and, and score. It's very, very, um, the standard in this conference is very high. Yeah, and another thing about your conference is just the length of rally sometimes where it causes like a, a breakdown in the defense or a breakdown in just the, the ball touched by the defenders. So is that, excuse me, how is that trained in practice where you're going to have long rallies where these digs have high expectations and you're not allowed to like, I don't know, lose your mental toughness in the rally. You're not allowed to miss an assignment. Even though like you're the right back and you haven't touched the ball in three transitions, you still have to be playing good base defense. You still got to be ready to react. Like, How do you get to that level with so many transitions happening at such a fast speed with the, the level you're playing at? Yeah, I think outside of volleyball, the one thing we do that is super important is we are all in really great shape. You know, we all eat well. We all condition um a crazy amount with our with our strength coach uh we all lift a lot and so having that base where we we're already in good shape helps you know our hitters be able to transition even when they're not getting ball helps our defenders you know stay in that low squat even though they're not touching the ball so that's kind of like our base we do a lot of uh drills in our team practices you know what we'll play like outside hitter versus team d and they have the outsides have to get 15 points against six defenders. So you you've got two you know two people blocking you, three in the back row that can defend. Like 
that keeps them in shape. And, you know, we usually play games and it's not that there's like a, a consequence on the line if you lose, but there is some sort of, you know, conditioning involved where like, hey, if, if the outsides hit you, I'm sorry, beat you, you're going to be running sleds or like vice versa. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I think the combination of having a good base um, and working super hard in team practice, put, being put in those situations where they have to transition or we have to dig a certain amount of balls really helps us. Yeah, I think punishment's one thing, but do you get a certain amount of challenge or a certain amount of joy out of it, knowing that like your side's really not the star of the drill, like the scoring system designed for them, yeah. but do you just like keeping these outsides in the drill a little bit longer or making it really challenging for them? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. We, we always, there's such good like communication in our in our gym but there's banter there's there's good healthy banter um it's always fun it's never it's never mean it's never from a bad malicious place between any of our players it's hey we're gonna beat you but we're gonna beat you because we want you to be better because we want us to be better it's everyone knows that it's 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 awesome and I imagine you have to prefer that a little bit because if you're going to play a playoff match on the road, the other crowd's not going to be friendly, right? Like, is that something you guys address or maybe try to train for? Because it's way easier said than done, but uh, the crowd can get to be a little interactive in some of these gyms, right? Oh my God. They have personally said, like I have heard people in the audience, they have done their research on me and they are not afraid to say what they want. And I think the more you're in it, the less it matters. You're kind of just like, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, it's definitely hard for freshmen and a little bit of sophomores, but it's not that we necessarily train through it. We, we do have open talks about it as a team, but you eventually just get so used to it and so honed into the game where like, you honestly can't hear it. Some places are better than others in the sense that the court is actually really far away from the audience and the audience actually doesn't happen to be mean or anything like that. And so it's really easy to focus on the game. Others, not so much. And so it's really just for us about finding, you know, one or two really good friends on the team and opening up about them like, hey, this really upset me and, and leaning on them. Um, and it, it's been really helpful in that way. And, and I want to circle back to you talking about your serve, because I think that's a really interesting tactic in the game where when you mentioned maybe in club, it was OK to serve a zone and we were just going to serve zone one because we wanted to do this like at your level now. Is it so pinpoint that you want the receiver stretching out to their right and you want them passing the ball like at a certain like height? Like how detailed do you need to be able to execute where it's not just like an Indiana game plan is we're going to serve the front or left side. I imagine it's way more complex than that, right? Yeah, so it's kind of everything. Sometimes it's really as simple as just serve that person. Like let's just, you know, get her out of system. Other times, you know, it's, hey, like I want you to drop a short ball in between three, four. Um, or literally serve the short ball right to their middle. We don't. We do not want the middle in transition. Let's make her pass a weird ball, and you know have them. We know that like eighty percent of the time she passes, they're going to the outside, and so we're just gonna load up on the outside. It's strategic in that sense, and then other times it's literally like, hey, just hit the six or just hit the five, um, you know, or just go as hard as you can. Like we just want to serve this player as tough as we can. Don't worry about like hitting the zone. If you think you can hit a flat confidence serve here, just do it. And so it's it's kind of everywhere, depending on the personnel. And with your team, um, I imagine there is a coach in charge of the defense. How much is that changing? Like, would you be back on a serving run and like serve one went here and serve two? Like, do they allow you to get into the rhythm or are you expected to kind of snipe to, the, to different zones as the game keeps developing and things keep changing? It, yeah, it's it. 
I have, we have a coach who sits down and tells us where to serve. And like in games, I've served from five to five and we played it out on the point next. I was all like to the one ran all the way to the one and I served five. It was just a completely different angle instead of going cross. Now I'm going wide. So it, it really just depends on like what my coach sees and, and angles of the ball and what he thinks is going to work. Yeah, this has been great. I, I think it's really exciting to kind of follow your career and see what you've developed. So I, I know you've got a big year left, but are you starting to maybe look ahead and see professional opportunities or, or girls that you know have gone overseas? Like, have you talked to them kind of what it's like? Obviously, with the NCAA rules, you can't get an agent, but uh, have you put any thought or any conversations into what it would look like to be a professional volleyball player? Yeah, I for sure have. It's literally been my goal since I was like 11. Like, by now, people are like, probably like, this is so cool. Yeah, it's still my goal. Um, <laughs> I'm really taking it um, year by year. I want to make the most out of my college experience right now. I think now that I'm done my junior year, I have one season left. I'm really just trying to soak in how much I love this place and how much I love my girls and um, how much of an impact I can leave on it. And so that is kind of where my head is at currently. Uh, and from there, yeah, whatever can whatever can happen with Pro, with um, Team C, I'm all about it. And I, I'm really excited for the future. Yeah, that's great. And I know you mentioned you have a couple of Canadian teammates and you, you have a Canadian coach. I'm curious, is there anything they give you a hard time for or that you had to adjust for? Is there anything that as a Canadian pocket, you just kind of look at them and be like, you guys have this way off. You're way wrong on this. <laughs> There's, there's so many. I'm trying to think of right now. I think the biggest one is the accent. I did not think I had an accent. Uh, now they're making fun of Maddie for it. So I'm off the hook. But uh, the accent the big one. Um, you know, it's actually really nice having Maddie here because, like, you know, someone may say something um, and Maddie and I kind of give each other the look. Like, we know exactly what each other's thinking right now. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, definitely the accent. Sometimes, you know, they've mentioned we're super nice. That That's going to happen. I think that might happen anywhere in the world. But um, yeah, no, it's fun having Maddie here now. I think that's crazy that they think you have an accent. Like a certain way that you like phrase things or they think just the way you talk, you have an accent. Yeah, they think just the way I talk. I, they hear it in about out when I say sorry. They're like, you say sorry. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ailey, this has been so awesome. Thank you for coming on and sharing all that you did. Uh, one tradition we built into the show is just to share a funny or unique story. So obviously we've heard about your, your playing volleyball at the highest level, but uh, just with the community and everyone being so great, I imagine something odd or funny must have happened along the way. Yeah, I think um, this one's kind of interesting. This one is like, if you ask any of my teammates right now, they will like laugh so hard because... I, this should have happened. My freshman year, like I said, it was super overwhelming. I had a lot going on. And we were on a trip. We were doing a two, three, or I think it was three-day trip. We played at Minnesota. We went straight to Wisconsin, had a day off in Wisconsin, and then we ended up playing Wisconsin. As freshmen, our tradition is we have to carry the equipment bags. So I had my travel bag and my equipment bag. Ended up going to Minnesota, played awesome. Only ended up taking one bag. Was not was not my my travel bag. Um, so we get to the hotel in Wisconsin, and, and you know everyone's getting the bags. Everyone, all the names are calling off, and I'm just standing there like, "Where's my bag?" 
Anyway, I left it in the middle of the hotel in Minnesota. Um, and so I had no clothes, um, no practice shirts, no, none of my, you know, bathroom stuff, no toothbrush, nothing. And it might have been the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. Luckily, one of the girl's parents was still in Wisconsin and ended up driving it up the next day. Um, or sorry, Minnesota, ending up driving to Wisconsin. But yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. So if you ask any of my teammates, if they, if they end up listening to this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much for, for sharing that you did. And thanks for your patience with the internet. I know it was a little struggle getting started, but uh, glad we could finally get you on the show and, and learning more about your career and, and best of luck with everything you got going on in the future. This was great. Thank you so much, Josh. This was so fun.